Nothing on the Bonnell Foundation's Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast should be considered medical advice. Medical advice can only come from your CF physician. Cystic fibrosis can be a devastating diagnosis, but living with the disease can bring positivity and a new appreciation for each day. From the Bonnell Foundation in Detroit, Michigan, it's the Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast, sponsored by Beatrice, Genentech, and Vertex. Here's your host, Laura Bonnell. The cystic fibrosis community is a small, tight-knit group. There are 40,000 people living with cystic fibrosis in the United States, and a lot of us, parents and people with cystic fibrosis, know one another. I did a podcast about CFS Worldwide, and today's guest, Medora Fry, reached out to Rod Spadinger to tell him how much she enjoyed his podcast that he did with us. She listens to every podcast that we have done, and she wrote the nicest note to me after Rod connected us about how our podcasts have helped her, validated her, and inspired her. So I did some research about her, and I thought, well, she has to be on this podcast. Medora was not diagnosed until she was 18 years old, and she's only been living with the knowledge of this diagnosis and what it means for the past 10 years. So I'm honored to share her story with you. So glad to talk to you, Medora. I think it's just wonderful, as we were talking about before we started the podcast, is just the way the CF community works. So I'm so grateful that you have been such a dedicated listener of our podcast. And then after I researched you a little bit, I thought, oh my gosh, she has to be on our podcast show because I'm so impressed with where you are already in your young life. You're 27 years old, you know, diagnosed late in life at 18. And before we get started, I love your name. And why don't you explain to us how you got your name? Yeah, so my name is Medora Fry. My name actually is very local, I guess you would say, to the North Dakota area. That's where I currently live. And it's actually a, a town in western North Dakota where the Badlands are, which is a part of Theodore Roosevelt National Park. And when I was born, I was nameless. Like my parents had another name picked out for me. And then I didn't look like that name. I don't know. I guess the vibe wasn't right or something. And yeah, so I was nameless for a couple of days. And then they, I think my dad or somebody thought, oh, what about Medora? And it kind of stuck. So it's cool if you're from the area. And if not, then I get a lot of questions, you know, about it. But I enjoy it. It's a very special place for me. And I've been there every year since I was born. That is wonderful. And by the time this podcast airs, you may have relocated already to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Yes. Yeah, I can't wait. Be closer to my CF clinic out there. So it'll be a big plus. That is wonderful. So let's start with your journey. First of all, you weren't diagnosed until you were 18. So how were those first 18 years from your perspective than from your parents' perspective? Yeah, so I was born before, at least in North Dakota, before newborn screening was a thing, I guess. And I, for the most part, was like a normal weight. I've always been, you know, kind of smaller and whatnot, but I was still, you know, growing and it was fine. And we have no family history of CF that we know about, at least. So it was completely random, you know, just to parents being carriers and whatnot. And I always had a lot of stomach issues. I had exercise-induced asthma, right? That wasn't really ever looked into. I just, I ran track and I think they maybe just thought I was a little out of shape or something. I don't know, even though I was like a 
sprinter and did well at that. But anyways, I essentially, my senior year, especially or like that last year of high school is when I really started having more health issues, especially stomach-wise, you know, gastrointestinal-wise. And nobody could figure out what was going on. I saw countless specialists. I had lost a lot of weight because eating just became really painful. And it was at least six months or more of testing. Nobody could figure out what it was. I actually had had two sinus surgeries as well that were back-to-back when I was 14 and 15. And I had nasal polyps, which the surgeon was extremely worried about because he was like, I haven't seen nasal polyps in anybody that's like under the age of 70 or something. You know, like, why do you have nasal polyps and you're 14? And I don't know. And so I had two back-to-back surgeries. Nobody could really figure out what was going on. And after, yeah, at least six months or more of testing, a doctor finally was like, oh, you know, I wonder if she has CF. We should do a sweat test. And it came back positive, but barely. It was kind of borderline, but still, you know, obviously quite elevated. And so we did genetic testing. And yeah, I have one of my mutations is the most common CF mutation. And then the other one is considered fairly rare. And so even if there was previous you know, like newborn screening testing at that time, I don't think that one was on there. And so I probably would have been missed as well. And then symptom-wise, my lungs are very healthy compared to a normal CF person, which I'm very thankful for. But that was kind of the reason that, yeah, I went undiagnosed for so long. And isn't it amazing that no one caught it? Like, those are huge red flags. You're having sinus surgery, huge CF red flag, gastro problems, huge CF red flag that these separate specialists didn't think, ding, 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 oh. I mean, and knowing that it's so rare that someone would need a surgery for polyps, like that would be one of the first things you would think, cystic fibrosis, if you're a specialist, you know, and you're not old. So it's not like you're being diagnosed at 50 or something. You know, you're in the midst of heightened awareness about cystic fibrosis and the Genome Project in 1989, like it is out there. So it's really upsetting and detrimental to your health because you didn't get an early diagnosis with all those doctors that you saw for so long and not one of them thought until you were, what, about 16 or 18, I guess. I was diagnosed one week after my 18th or or, yeah, 18th birthday. (laughs) So yeah, it was very soon after what did your parents think? My parents were completely surprised. I mean, none of us even, I know it sounds horrible, but we didn't even know what CF was. We had never heard of it. We knew that there was like an organization in town that did the turkey trot every year. And we knew that it was for CF, but we didn't really know what that was or hadn't really heard of the disease. I think we more so just knew about the turkey trot, you know, that happens on Thanksgiving here. And so, yeah, it was really surprising. And of course, right away, they said, don't Google anything. <laughs> and my mom Google's everything right away. And she's like, you're going to die. I don't know what's happening. I was like, mom, it's, you know, we'll figure it out. It's fine. But yeah, it was definitely hard. And it was also a time where I was a month away from graduating high school. And, you know, everybody was getting prepared to go off and go to college or, you know, whatever plans they had after graduation. And I did end up doing that. But it definitely, you know, it impacted maybe how far away I went to school, that sort of thing. And just health-wise in general, I had like a pancreatic procedure that year and had like a stent put in and different stuff like that. So it definitely immediately, you know, started to impact my life. And also just a lot about my identity. Like I really struggled mentally for quite a while with that because it was just kind of, I don't know, like a grieving of my childhood in a way. I was like, oh, all of these 
things and symptoms, you know, now make sense and like definitely had some anger about how did nobody catch this before, right? Or if I would complain about stomach issues, I thought, I think my parents maybe just thought that I was complaining a lot. And like, I don't think a lot of people took me seriously, which they had no reason to suspect it was anything more serious. And we did do lots of testing for every other, you know, disease (laughs) under the sun, it seemed like. Right. So it was definitely a a struggle at first, I think, just kind of figuring out, okay, like, how is this going to affect my life? You know, what can I do about this moving forward, I guess, if that makes sense. It was definitely a lot at first. And I think, too, because I want to ask you, and you just talked about it a little bit, but the difference between finding out you have cystic fibrosis at 18 is hugely different than my daughters who grew up knowing they had the disease all the time. So they adjusted as we gave them more and more information as they got older and then knew so much and had experienced so much by the time they were 18 when you were diagnosed. And then I think same thing, like you're told not to Google information, you know, when you're first diagnosed. And it is all very scary. So, you know, you had no choice in when you were diagnosed. It happened at 18. But how has it impacted you, you know, about what you're about 10 years out now? Yeah, yeah. Next month or April, I guess. Yeah, it'll be 10 years, which is kind of crazy. But when I was diagnosed, I definitely had a lot of, sorry, I don't know how to explain it the best, but I guess that's okay. I essentially had a lot of grief about my childhood. There was other, you know, like my parents got divorced and so I was split between two households, that sort of thing. But it was also like, I don't know, it became really hard to look at myself in photos from when I was a kid, which is Very strange. And I haven't heard a lot of other people maybe explain this and probably, you know, because I was diagnosed so late and I know a majority of. Yeah, I don't think anything you're saying is strange, by the way. I think it makes complete sense. And you're still very young and you're still digesting it. But I have to say, and I want you to continue, but we don't need to know all the issues that your parents face. But I can tell you there is a very high divorce rate in parents who have a child or children with chronic illness. And I, as a parent of two girls with CF, grieved over the loss of what I thought was the healthy child or children that I was going to have. So everything you're saying, I totally get. So I just want you to be able to not feel guilty about saying it. I think you're just in the beginning stages still. So, you know. I think that's one of the things, too, that was kind of difficult about it at first was I, though I already had kind of two different parents and the way they parented was already different and it was two different households. And then when I added CF on top of that, I think the way that I was expected to deal with that diagnosis was different depending on what house I was at. Right. And so my dad was more of like, you will not let this define you and you will. But also like he never told me specifically, like, don't tell anybody that you even have CF. But anytime I did kind of try to share about it, it was like, oh, well, even you sharing about it is, I don't know, since, you know, sort of like victim shaming thing. And all I was trying to do was kind of just even tell people I have CF for like, this is what CF is and try to, you know, kind of try to be an advocate, which I have thankfully kind of stepped more into now. But and then my mom was definitely like terrified, which is, you know, fine. And everybody obviously deals with stuff in a different way, but she is also incredibly strong as well. And I actually see a lot of resemblance between just in the way that you interact and everything between my mom and yourself, Laura. I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy listening to the podcast. And I will say briefly too, just a side tangent that the podcast has really helped me kind of realize maybe some of the feelings that parents have, you know, with kids with CF, because I think sometimes it's hard to kind of, yeah, it's hard to see their perspective when you're kind of going through it, but taking a step back and 
being able to hear what you say, I think some of the, you know, my mom has expressed kind of similar feelings and it's just good to get that reassurance and kind of understanding of, you know, the parent perspective as well. But I guess essentially when I was diagnosed, it was also so grief of my childhood kind of being expected to maybe, you know, have these two different ways of dealing with it. And I think for a long time, we just felt really lost. And it wasn't until honestly, probably the last two years where I started, you know, writing more about CF and sharing more online and kind of, I guess you would say, identifying more with that. And I think the other part of it for me too is the lung issue, right? Like my lungs being healthier, which I am, of course, incredibly grateful for, but I have still probably to this day a lot of guilt to work through with that. And I've only started doing more normal like breathing treatments within the last year, I believe. And so, which is obviously not common because normally, you know, from childhood, you're doing those every day and all those medicines. So it's kind of, it's a weird spot to be in with that. But also to go back to your other point, there was a lot that I missed out, you know, CFYs and prevention and whatnot by being diagnosed so late. And so that's been hurt as well. Just, yeah, different GI and pancreatic issues and kidney stuff. And so even though my lungs are healthy, I deal with a whole lot of other, you know, there's obviously a whole spectrum of ways that CF affects the body. And so it's, I'm in kind of a weird spot because I'm heavily affected by every other way and the lungs not quite as bad. They're now starting to kind of get their CF progression going. So I do some breathing treatments and whatnot now the last just a year or so. It's all kind of interesting too, because my, I believe at least according to one of the CF websites, I think there's maybe one of about 200 that have kind of the same mutations worldwide. And so I think they're still kind of figuring out how those mutations affect people differently and how much or not, you know, the disease will progress over time. I think it's kind of come up in the air. (laughs) Right. That is so interesting because my girls have the same two mutations and their health is completely different. So it's very interesting. And I also think for you from 18 to 27, those are the years you're supposed to be carefree, not thinking about anything, go to college, make mistakes, drink too much. I mean, that's a real discovery period. And then you get this diagnosis that affects your life expectancy. Mentally, that had to be so much and probably, I mean, still is. Yeah, it really was. So I just came out with a little, I guess you would say, book or art book, part memoir. It's kind of a little bit of everything. But in that, I kind of talk about that a little bit because I did did have some, yeah, pretty serious mental health struggles with that and had some, you know, not so great ideations and that sort of thing. Because I definitely, at the time, I was also kind of struggling with, oh, like, will anybody, you know, ever want to date me? <laughs> I have, you know, this issue. Like, CF is not a glamorous, <laughs> as you know very well, you know, it's mucus and laxatives and, you know, lots of fun stuff like that. So it's definitely not glamorous. And, you know, I was really struggling with, oh, is anybody, you know, going to want to be with me at some point? Like, will I be able to make friends? Am I going to be in the hospital all the time? Am I going to be fine? You know, I was very, because of the weirdness, I guess we'll just say, of my case with it, we also, there were just a lot of unknowns. They had no idea if or when my lungs would be affected or if they did start to be affected, how quickly it would happen. Lots of stuff like that. I was dealing with pancreatic attacks very often, and those were, you know, just horrible. (laughs) And so debilitating, I would think. Yeah, completely. And so it was definitely a struggle at first. And yeah, find, you know, who am I? You know, like I thought I was this person. Now my literal 
DNA has changed. Obviously, it hadn't changed, but, you know, in my mind, it was like, oh, this is a whole other gambit of experience that I'm not familiar with. And yeah, it was, it was definitely a struggle. And we are going to get to your book, but first, I want you to also tell me about your learning journey, you know, as you learn about CF. Were you shocked by it? Did you just become more interested in education, or how did that journey of information land on you? It's a great question. So, well, at first I was pretty terrified, <laughs> but as, you know, I would go to all these appointments, I got very interested in the medical side of it and yet yeah, did a lot of research. The first place that I looked was probably the CF Foundation website, and I read the blogs on there, like, you know, from patients or family, that sort of thing. And that was extremely helpful because I didn't know what CF was. I didn't know anybody with CF. You know, I maybe watch a video online and it seemed very overwhelming with, you know, like daily breathing treatments, the CPT, all of that. And so I didn't really know what my future with that would look like. And one of the other things as well was, I think on there they had some writings from other people that were also diagnosed later in life. And that was extremely helpful because, like, okay, I'm not the only person who has gone through that. And so I kind of found some connection there. And as time went on, I, yeah, I just got more involved with things very slowly. It took me a while kind of online to identify somebody with CF. A lot of people may not have even really known that I had had it until a couple years ago, just because, like I said, my family was maybe telling me to deal with it privately. And I was like, well, I'm kind of trying that. But I also, you know, had some serious mental health things that were telling me, oh, you feel alone and depressed and maybe you should open up with people and talk about this. And that has really helped. I definitely understand the statement of like, don't let your disease define you. Like, I get that. And most of the time it's probably said in a way that is, you know, trying to be helpful. But when it's, I guess, said in a certain tone or, you know, trying to push somebody down to say, oh, well, because this maybe doesn't impact you like other CF people, like you don't need to talk about it at all. Or, you know, like, Maybe people can know that you have it, but if you, you know, even posting a photo of yourself doing a breathing treatment, even if you're trying to be like, hey, this is what I do and this is why I do it and go support, you know, learn about CF and support those causes and everything. That was just very hard for me, I guess, to not be able to share that part of myself. Because even though my lungs aren't super affected, they are affected and my whole body is, is affected by it, right? And some of my identity is that. And I think for me, what's been really helpful is being able to kind of reclaim that phrase a little bit and kind of view that in more of a way of, well, it kind of does define me, but it's not a bad thing. You know, like it's part of my DNA. It's something that does make me who I am. I think it makes me more empathetic, more loving, more curious. And I don't think it has to be a bad thing. It's a part of me. I've always had it, even though I haven't known about it the whole time. So yeah, I think just reclaiming that has helped me to find the community mostly virtually, just because, you know, the nature of CF. But I think that's really helped me and my mental health. And also, I'm passionate about trying to make things better for people with CF and trying to, you know, help with like any way I can. So for me, it's given me a lot of meaning in my life and a lot of purpose. And that's the main thing, I guess, is trying to kind of reclaim that phrase a little bit. And it connects you. It connects you to your CF community, just like we were able to connect and it gives you so much emotional growth. And then you learn more. I mean, I always say that my foundation is my therapy because 
you can never not think about CF, so you might as well embrace it, right? I mean, every single day there's something CF-related that happens, either with my kids' health or the advocating that I'm doing or a financial request from someone, you know, for the foundation. There's so many things going on, but I can't imagine not being encouraged to do what you want and talk about it because I would have exploded a long time ago because I really, I do need to talk about it. And you do need to talk to other people and other parents who have kids with CF or other people that have CF so you can relate. And I have to tell you that when I did the CF masterclass with a bunch of parents, and actually your parents may enjoy it, but it's because every parent I talked to cried during the interviews that we did. We all have so much post-traumatic stress from this disease. We could all relate. Each one talked about different things. One person talked about faith. One person talked about the decision only to have one child after that child was diagnosed with CF. Everybody had kind of a different theme in the conversations, but we all related through the trauma, the stress, the tears, the anxiety. We had so much in common that we could relate to. It was so important. So I'm glad that you've opened up and you're connecting with other people because it is crucial, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if I, I mean, this, I'm not trying to, you know, sound inflated about it, but I honestly may not, I would not possibly be here at this point if I hadn't reached out to people that were okay with me talking about it. And like you said, some of this trauma and PTSD associated with it. So it's 100% important. And I think you're going to change somebody's life in this podcast because somebody is going to say, oh my gosh, I was suicidal about this. I felt like isolated. I couldn't go on. And they'll find hope in your words. So it's very powerful that you're talking about it. Thank you. And I didn't ask you before, do you have any siblings? And was anyone else diagnosed with CF? So I don't have any biological siblings between my two parents. So I have stepbrothers and stepsisters and then half-sisters. But yeah, so nobody else has CF that we know about, or at least not my half-sisters. I think they were born after the important screening. Pretty sure they don't have it. I think maybe they did genetic testing. I can't remember. They're, I think, like 16, 17. Yeah. And your parents then knew at that time what was going on also. I do want to talk about your book that I am buying. I just looked at it. It's beautiful. These are my flowers, my story of composting trauma into colorful art. It's beautiful. And you call it an abbreviated memoir. Tell us about this, what it says and what you put into it. Yeah. So I am in a, I guess you'd say part-time artist. I work full time, but I do art on the side. And I've been doing that for the last couple of years. I kind of started doing abstract painting and artwork after my husband actually had his own kind of major health issue. And that's, yeah, a whole other story. But I started doing that just as a way to kind of creatively get my trauma out that way from his health stuff. And that's just continued. And yeah, my art practice has grown with that. And I've always enjoyed writing and I thought maybe I should do it. <laughs> I always had it in the back of my mind, like, oh, I'd love to write a book or, you know, do something like that. And I decided that I'm just gonna go for it, you know? 
I prefer to not try to be a person that says I'm going to do a bunch of stuff and then I never do it. I'd like to try to be the person, you know, that actually maybe that does it and goes for it. So I'm proud of myself for getting it done. And it kind of part abbreviated memoir. I talk a tiny bit about like my parents' divorce and my CF diagnosis and then the health issue that my husband had that led me to painting. And then, yeah, just more about painting and there's art in there. It kind of has like a literary magazine vibe to it if you are familiar with those at all. But yeah, I've been writing that the last couple months and it just came out two or three weeks ago. So exciting. And it's been the process of writing it was very hard, but also cathartic and it felt good. It's kind of terrifying to have it out and have other people reading it now, but it's been very nice and feedback has been very kind. So I would think that it's really helped you just keep evolving and learning about your diagnosis, right? Totally. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things that I talk about in there. I think you can kind of see the progression of maybe the way that I thought about my disease or diagnosis in general. And a lot of what we've talked about already is kind of some of what I've written in there. And so it was very meaningful for me to write. And even, you know, I've had people very close to me say, wow, I did not realize, you know, either like that's what you thought or everything that you had to go through with that. Even my mom, like yesterday, um, texted me and said, wow, I didn't really, like, I know you, but maybe I don't really know you. Or like, I, she worded a lot better than I just explained that. But I think there is a lot of parts of people that we maybe don't talk about all the time. And you might think you know somebody or what they're going through, but a lot of the time you probably don't. And that's, I think, maybe why it's good to, you know, try to have compassion and understanding for people. But yeah, it's definitely reflected on my diagnosis and kind of what that means for me currently and what that meant at the time. And I think that's kind of cool to see that progression. And that's what's beautiful about writing a book, right? Because we think so many thoughts in our heads and maybe we don't realize that someone else can relate or that it will help someone else. But you're thinking so many deep thoughts that we don't share. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts and fears and concerns that I don't share, but I think if you write it down in a journal, then you kind of get it out there. And as you say, you wrote it in your book. So it's so personal. And then everyone else is reading your personal thoughts. It's like we can't mind read, but then you put it down into words and there it is. What have your parents and your friends learned? How have you helped them see CF? I think for the most part, it's just that they. I probably don't even list everything, really, like even all the procedures or testing or everything. Like there's no way really to, you know, put that all into one book necessarily anyway. But I guess the overwhelming nature of CF at points, right? Like that's kind of what they've maybe learned about and just the different ways that I've dealt with things and how art is, you know, incredibly important to that. I think they hopefully got, you know, a better understanding of that and even I think my mom didn't maybe know at the time the like actual like gravity of maybe some of the mental health stuff that I was going through. And so I think she maybe had more compassion toward that. And one of the things that she stated specifically was she obviously was quite scared at the time and as one would be. And I also was, but I think she mostly just focused on, oh, well, her lungs are healthy. So like she's going to be fine. And I think she kind of, I mean, didn't need to kind of apologize to me or we just had a nice conversation about that of her saying, I think that kind of blinded me a little bit to what you were maybe actually going through and how hard that was for you because I was just focused on, oh, well, her lungs are healthy. And so 
that's really important, which it was. But I think she just, you know, maybe felt bad because she had maybe felt like that had minimized some of my experience. And so it's been really nice to have these conversations with people like even my own mom. Right. Right. Your book was a conversation starter. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was just thinking, you know, we're always talking with the girls. But I remember, I don't know if it was on the podcast I did with them or another time that we were just talking, but I remember them stopping me when I was like, oh, look at this about CF or look at this person. And they were like, mom, CF is your life, but we can't make it our life. Like they just were like, we can't be involved in this disease that we live every single day. But I think sometimes we don't realize how our kids with CF are dealing with it. And then sometimes our kids don't realize as a parent, you're also thinking about every single day, even though you don't have the disease, you're worried about your kids every single day. So it was great and continues to be great that the communication is open. And I really learned to step back and kind of go with their lead. Oh, is this the day you want to talk about this? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Am I just the listener today? (laughs) That's what I'll sometimes ask them. Am I just listening? Did you want me to respond? Is there feedback needed? So that's been kind of fun and funny. But yeah, I think that's really important what you said. And then the other thing I want to talk about is, so you got married. Tell us when you got married and how that fear that you had that maybe you wouldn't find somebody who could love you because you had CF, how that went. Yeah, so Sam and I started dating in 2016. So Sam was my husband. He's wonderful. We got married just a couple of years ago, kind of right, I think 2020, right as the pandemic was happening. So it was kind of fun time right before that, I guess, in 2019 in the fall and just had a, yeah, kind of a small, essentially ended up eloping. So we've been together for quite a while now. And right before we ended up getting married was when, so he essentially had two widowmaker heart attacks and was in a coma and all the fun stuff and almost died. And I was there when it happened and did CPR on him. And so... And he's in his 20s? 30s, yeah. But he was 29 when it happened just a couple years ago. I think it was June 2018, I think. But yeah, which is also, you know, unheard of. He just essentially has atherosclerosis. I cannot say it. Just, you know, the hardening of the plaque buildup and small arteries, that sort of thing in the heart. So it was also very random, you know, had no other health issues that he knew about or, you know, not anything like that. And it was very much traumatic. But what's kind of interesting about that is, so when I met Sam, he was just very nice, obviously, right? I said I wouldn't have married him, but just very nice and very like inquisitive about, oh, what is CF and, you know, how does that affect you? And I think he just had a lot of compassion for that. You know, I told him like, I'm not sure if I'll be able to have kids, you know, are you okay with that? And he was like, yep, I don't want kids. And I was like, okay, well, it's that's fine with me and probably the best because I don't think I could probably have them anyway. And so it was mostly just a conversation about that, I guess. And he, if I did, you know, have anything CF related, was just very helpful and understanding and very good listener. And so it was really nice to find somebody that understood that because I was single for quite a while between being diagnosed and then when I met him because I was definitely, you know, looking for the right person um, and wasn't going to settle and wasn't going to be okay with, you know, somebody that wasn't okay with me having CF. And so, yeah, he's just been really great about that. And he would come with me to my CF appointments, one at Minneapolis, which is about 
seven hours away from here. And so, yeah, we would just go on fun car rides and he'd come with me and just, you know, be a part of that and kind of understood what was going on with my health. And that was really helpful. And when he ended up having his stuff, you know, then I was there with him in the hospital. And it was kind of interesting because I knew a lot of the medical terminology that the doctors and whatnot were, you know, describing. And so I was able to kind of relay that to family or friends and just kind of support him in that way. And we now actually go to the same, or not CF clinic, it's the same clinic, but my CF clinic is there in Minnesota. And so that's been kind of fun the last couple of years. It's the same building. We're just be have our appointments, you know, a couple, like one day, then the next day, we just go from floor to floor and have our appointments and whatnot. And we call them little clinic dates. And so, yeah, it's been kind of, it's really beautiful, I guess, to have somebody that can support you in that way. And it's also been, I've been on both sides, I guess, now caregiver and receiver of care, right? And we've essentially both now done that for each other. And so it's kind of hard to put into words, but honestly, it's really beautiful and very hard, obviously, as well. Don't want to diminish that because it's been extremely difficult, but it's been just very rewarding. And I think we're extremely close because of it. I think we have a better understanding of one another because of it, too. And it must make you feel like, okay, it's not all about me. Yay, I got to take care of you. I know it's not necessary in a marriage. It can just be one person that needs, you know, the help. But yeah, I get that from your perspective to be able to do that and support him. So that's why you're moving to Minnesota. Definitely a main reason it'll be a lot nicer to be closer to clinics and not have to drive about seven hours. So yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's coming up. And what are you excited about for your future? So many things. Definitely, you know, getting out to Minnesota, that'll be definitely nice and just having more things to do out there as well. That'll be good. Yeah, I think I'm just excited to continue advocacy and continue painting and just see kind of where that takes me. Like you said, I'm still kind of new to things a little bit, but I think, yeah, just the last couple of years getting more involved with different CF foundations and organizations and events and everything and meeting more people with CF, like that's been extremely helpful. And I just, I kind of can't wait to do more of that and just kind of see where things take me. It's wonderful. Well, thanks for telling your story with us. I appreciate it. And everything is in the show notes, your book, which is available on Amazon and, you know, people can follow you as well. But Thanks for sharing your story and for supporting the Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast and for being with us. It was great to meet you. Great to meet you too, Laura. Thank you so much. Thank you. The original music in this podcast is performed by Kevin Allen. It's not complicated. Who happens to have cystic fibrosis. We all got our worries and fears. I know what's got you frustrated. But loving you is so all right. This has been the Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast. For more information and to learn more about the Bonnell Foundation, visit our website at thebonnellfoundation.org. That's the B-O-N-N-E-L-L foundation.org. This podcast was sponsored by Beatrice, Genentech, and Vertex. It was produced by Jagging Detroit Podcasts. Follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now.